Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. And what a fantastic segment by our last guest, Mark Sloboda, who is joining us uh, on the live link from Moscow. Uh, if you missed any of that on the live broadcast, you can go back and listen to the podcast uh, on the archive stream. It'll be on the show page, but it'll also be up at iTunes uh, and also at Podomatic and some of the other uh, platforms for those of you listening out there. And uh, there's a story which is up on 21st Century Wire right now, uh, and this is uh, quite an extraordinary uh, story. Now, this is something that a lot of people might have been aware of aspects of this in the past, but this is the first time it's been pulled together uh, in one sort of uh, comprehensive investigation. This is a story by our next guest. She's a journalist uh, from Bulgaria uh, based in Sofia, and you would have known her uh, for the story which she broke uh, with True Newspaper uh, last year, uh, and this is about weapons trafficking uh, coming out of Eastern Europe uh, using uh, diplomatic flights with a contractor out of Azerbaijan, U.S. defense uh, contractors procuring the arms paid for by the Saudis into the hands of ISIS and al-Nusra uh, in the region. And this is the wef- a weapons trafficking racket, uh, which uh, Diliana uncovered. So Diliana Gitiniera is joining us right now. This story she's got this week is about uh, a U.S. network of bioweapons uh, laboratories and facilities, which is global. Uh, and mainly we're talking about the Eurasian uh, uh, facilities that are kind of, if you look at them on the map quite amazingly, are kind of encircling the underbelly of Russia. Uh, and these are offshore facilities. Uh, I don't know to what level they're legal, um, but certainly this is a myriad of uh, government contractors, classified operations, uh, all sorts of diplomatic immunity is involved here. Diliana is going to tell us about this story. Thank you for joining us, Diliana. Firstly, uh, Patrick, uh, let me thank you personally for uh, supporting uh, my investigations and uh, for publishing today this investigation because uh, not uh, that many brave journalists uh, dare to to publish such stories and to raise uh, this uh, issue, it's, uh, it cost uh, a lot of courage, and I personally thank you for that. Um, back to the topic, uh, this is um, an investigation, again, into the Pentagon um, weapons programs, uh, but um, uh, now we are talking about a different type of weapons. When I first uh, published um, uh, the Silkway uh, story uh, on uh, the diplomatic flights uh, carrying weapons to terrorists in Syria, in Yemen, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, etc., I uh, I didn't know that the Pentagon actually um, runs uh, uh, myriad uh, uh, weapons programs and some of them are exactly the biological weapons programs and uh, I think that these programs are even more chilling and uh, appalling than uh, the program uh, the Silkway uh, weapons shipments to terrorists because here we are talking about uh, covert uh, bioweapons uh, a network uh, of laboratories which 
are located all over the world. For sure, I know and I can document uh, biolaboratories of the Pentagon in 25 countries. They are located um, mainly in uh, former Soviet Union countries, such as um, Georgia and Ukraine and Kazakhstan as well, also in the Middle East, um, Iraq and Afghanistan included, and uh, Southeast Asia and Africa. Uh, what matters here is the fact that uh, we don't see the consequences, but we can, uh, we can guess them. For example, in Africa, we had a huge and deadly outbreak Ebola outbreak with hundreds of thousands of people affected and three of those uh, Pentagon biolaboratories are located uh, in the same country, countries and the same uh, places uh, at the epicenter of the Ebola crisis. Not only uh, Africa, if we talk about um, uh, their main um, uh, countries, uh, which uh, are located around Russia, Georgia, and Ukraine. In Ukraine, you have 11 biolaboratories funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. This is a Pentagon agency, which funds all these uh, biolaboratories and all these bioweapons uh, projects. They are not officially named uh, bioweapons projects. They are officially named, for example, biological defense uh, projects, biological engagement projects, or whatever name they place uh, under these projects. They are active biological weapons development and research projects. And uh, the military documents uh, attached uh, to this article prove that even in the United States, I don't know how people there don't know this or how this information has been hidden by the American public. And I don't know why the American taxpayers uh, are not um, uh, informed how their uh, money is spent. But in the United States, in the state of Utah, uh, there is a military testing facility at Dugway Proving Ground. This is the same military facility which the U.S. Army used in the past to test uh, its biological weapons. So in the same facility, according to the U.S. Army documents, um, their uh, scientists produce live bio-agents uh, such as anthrax, um, also um, deadly toxins uh, such as, as uh, botulinum uh, toxin and many, many, many others. Uh, and this facility actually operates um, under the cover of defense. I don't know how the Pentagon can call this uh, program defensive when they have spread uh, military biolaboratories abroad in 25 countries across the globe. The, the, the first thing I want to add here, uh, Diliana, is you know, all, if you look at all the media coverage of bioweapons or bioterrorism or you know, WMDs, it seems to all center around this bioterrorism threat. In other words, 
terrorists might get a hold, ISIS might get a hold of some one of these and then use it on the public, and that's seen as the number one threat. And so that they use that to justify these research programs. Uh, you even had a professor at the National Security Affairs a U.S. Uh, Naval War College, who said that ISIS terrorists would be human carriers of Ebola. In other words, they'll go and infect themselves with Ebola and then go into highly populated areas. I mean, just insane conspiracy theories coming out. But Absolutely. but but they don't talk about the states uh, using biological weapons because is it true? Do you think it's true that the number one biological weapons producer in the world is the United States of America? Facts. Uh prove uh, exactly this conclusion and the documents and the photos uh, prove that the United States now produces uh, biological weapons and not only produces viruses, uh, bacteria and toxins, but also tests these uh, bacteria, viruses and toxins at the way proving ground um, for dissemination uh, even by explosives. Can you imagine what defensive is there to uh, develop such dissemination technology to spread viruses, bacteria and toxins, not only by aerosols, but also by explosives? For what? I mean, this is not, uh, this is not uh, a defensive. This is offensive military program. And um, it's uh, very scary because... Um, for example, in some of the countries where these biolaboratories um, are located, I can give a lot of examples, but let's focus uh, on Ukraine because uh, Ukraine uh, has been in the news for quite some time. Uh, here in Ukraine, we have uh, 11 biolaboratories funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agencies. And these 11 uh, biolaboratories are located just in the same cities where inexplicable outbreaks uh, appear uh, quite regularly. And we're talking about um, outbreaks which are serious, which are dangerous, and uh, outbreaks of diseases uh, which are caused by bioagents. For example, in Ukraine, uh, there was a huge outbreak um, of botulism. This is a dangerous and fatal uh, disease if uh, left untreated, uh, caused uh, by botulinum toxin uh, poisoning. Uh, the police in Ukraine launched an investigation into an intentional uh, poisoning of the population of Ukraine. I don't know the results of this police investigation, but the fact that the police in Ukraine uh, has been investigating intentional poisoning of the population of Ukraine means that all these activities are not legal. I mean, there is information that somebody spreads diseases in Ukraine, because also the police launched an investigation into infection with incurable disease. I don't know why this information uh, doesn't make headlines uh, in Ukraine and other countries. This is very serious. You have military biolaboratories on your territory, and you cannot control these military biolaboratories because, because I uh, published, actually you published in um, on 21st century, why today the 
agreement between Ukraine and the United States. And under this agreement, the military program is classified. It is sensitive information. Why is it sensitive? If the United States is there to help the Ukrainian people to be healthy and to fight the diseases, why is it uh, sensitive? Why is it classified? And what, what is uh, the United States um, hiding there? And um, uh, we have a lot of outbreaks, dangerous and uh, deadly for the Ukrainian people. I can give you an, another example. There was a case uh, in 2016, um, a flu-like outbreak. Um, just uh, in two days' time, uh, more than 20 Ukrainian soldiers in Kharkov, this is um, uh, an Ukrainian city where is one of uh, the, the Pentagon biolabs and 20 soldiers died in just two days time and 200 more were hospitalized. The Ukrainian government did not report on um, uh, the dead uh, Ukrainian soldiers because under the agreement with the United States, the Ukrainian government is not allowed to publicly disclose such information. It is secret. Uh, in total, just for two months in Ukraine, uh, there were uh, more than 360 death cases of uh, flu. Just a flu. You can imagine what this flu was to kill 360 people in just two, uh, two months. Um, and it is not only Ukraine, the same, the same uh, is um, the story with Georgia as well. Uh, there, um, uh, in the capital Tbilisi, the Pentagon has um, a military biolaboratory, which is called the Luga Center. And, uh, for example, why is uh, the Pentagon collecting bats and kill them at the Luga Center. Why is the Pentagon collecting ticks and flies? And we're not talking uh, about uh, uh, 10 or 20 or even 100 species. We're talking about 21,000 ticks collected and uh, sent to uh, this military, military biolaboratory. For what? If you um, check uh, the previous uh, declassified documents related to the Pentagon um, bioweapons program in the past, you can see and you can find the answer what and why uh, the Pentagon is um, collecting uh, insects because insects are used uh, as um, vectors of uh, diseases. They can transmit uh, by biting people dangerous diseases. That is why uh, the Pentagon invested, and the U.S. in general, just a few years, more than $814 million in synthetic biology. Uh, this money uh, are spent for projects such as genetically engineered pathogens, genetically engineered insects, and some of the projects include um, um, creating and engineering insects to transmit genetically engineered viruses. Uh, this is scary. Why is the Pentagon funding such projects? Why is the Pentagon uh, uh, 
uh, willing and uh, uh, funding uh, the creation of killer insects. This means that we are talking about uh, uh, an offensive biological weapons program. And, uh, and, and so we're meant to believe, Mike, that uh, Ebola jumped from uh, African fruit bats uh, to humans in 1976, and it just sort of took, you know, all, all this time to sort of make its way into sort of a big sort of uh, supposed pandemic, but it wasn't a pandemic. Um, but yet we see programs like this uh, where they are working with uh, bats and uh, live cultures and insects, and we do have an outbreak in uh, Kyr- Kyrgyzstan, 2013, an outbreak of bu- bubon- bubonic plague spread in Kyrgyzstan. They were afraid it was going to spread to Kazakhstan. And so that was the big fear then. Um, we actually reported on that 21st century war in 2014. Um, and so pe- 15 people died of the plague in uh, Kyrgyzstan. And so the authorities insist that uh, it was just uh, some spontaneous uh by chance, it just kind of you know appeared. Uh, they haven't ice. I, I don't think they've isolated it completely, but there's some official explanation of of how it started. Um, but not far away within the sphere, we have th- these U.S. facilities doing what? I'm That's not sure. The same uh, story uh, in um, Georgia and in Afghanistan. You have the same Pentagon um, contractors, private companies. I will. Um, talk about them uh, uh, later, just first to explain. Uh, you have the same uh, dangerous diseases and the same Pentagon contractors and the same uh, military biolaboratories in Georgia and in Afghanistan. Uh, and you have the same outbreaks of diseases uh, which are spreading among the local population. Interestingly, for example, an outbreak of uh, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever in Georgia. Uh, more than uh, 30 people uh, became infected um, two years ago, and uh, some of them died. Among uh, the infected people was a four-year-old child. Uh, the government of Georgia couldn't find the source of the outbreak. Normally, this disease is supposed to spread to humans uh, through a bite of a tick. None of the collected and uh, examined ticks uh, of all infected villages in Georgia at the epicenter of the outbreak, none of these ticks uh, tested positive, just one tested positive. And none of uh, the blood samples collected by the animals which are also supposed to spread this disease to humans, none of the samples tested positive for Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. The question is how this disease spread to humans? And the answer is very, very simple. This disease uh, and this outbreak was spread not naturally. It was spread intentionally. Uh, now let's, uh, let me talk about... Um, the Pentagon contractors involved in this uh, military program, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency has outsourced much of the work under the military program to private companies which are not held accountable to Congress and which can operate more freely and they can move around the rule of law. Uh, U.S. civilian personnel performing work 
in Georgia, in Ukraine, and in other military biolaboratories around the world have also been given diplomatic immunity, although they are not diplomats. The question is, why are they operating under diplomatic uh, cover? This means that private companies can perform work under diplomatic cover for the U.S. government without being under the direct control of the host state. For example, the Republic of Georgia or Ukraine or Iraq, Afghanistan, and so on. And this practice is often used by the CIA to provide cover for its agents. Uh, the same practice was used by the CIA uh, for uh, the Silkway diplomatic uh, flights with weapons. Again, uh, the work was outsourced uh, to private companies. Again, uh, no, again, no control by um, the Congress. Again, the private contractors did not account to the Congress. And nobody knows uh, what uh, is hidden under this diplomatic cover. No checks, no inspection, nothing. These private contractors in uh, Georgia, they have diplomatic vehicles. They can transport whatever you can think of. Um, and especially in Georgia, can anybody answer the question, I mean anybody from the Pentagon, why the Pentagon funded a private contractor to carry out a program called... Um, border security in Georgia. This uh, very, the very same project uh, also was um, uh, entrusted to the same company in Syria, in Libya, and in Jordan. This means that uh, in this way, the Pentagon has direct control and direct access to areas which are of high interest to the Pentagon. In the case of Georgia, this is Russia. In the case of uh, uh, Libya, this is uh, exactly uh, the area which is again of high interest for the Pentagon as well as Syria. So uh, it is uh, the cover of uh, security, the cover of uh, helping uh, the local population. No, this is the direct access to Russia. And uh, there were outbreaks in Russia as well. Uh, somehow the very same pathogens jumped to Russia. Mm -hmm. We have uh, witnesses accounts uh, so of do, the do same. I mean, outbreak. look at the position of the, of the facilities, uh, Diliana, um, in, in terms of the ones that you've identified here in this group. Um, it seems to me is, it, it's really... It kind of surrounding Russia, so I mean, is it, I, I know don't mean to be conspiratorial, but it seems to me like if if there is a active bioweapons program run by the United States, it would I, I would assume with the level of secrecy and security and diplomatic immunity that this is a possible strategy for the Pentagon in the future, which is biological warfare. Um, uh, let's uh, answer to this question with another question. Why uh, did the Pentagon research uh, Russian anthrax? Anthrax is one of the bioagents weaponized by the U.S. Army in the past, and despite the Pentagon's claims that its program is only defensive, there are facts to the contrary. 
In uh, 2016, for example, at the Lugar Center in Georgia, American scientists um, carried out research on uh, the genome uh, sequence of um, the Russian uh, strain of um, the anthrax for which uh, Russia has vaccine, meaning that uh, the Pentagon researched exactly the strain for which Russia has vaccine. What is this uh, research for? I, I have no uh, answer other than for uh, attacking uh, Russia in the future with anthrax and Russia will not have vaccine for this uh, anthrax. A new, yeah, a new genetically engineered anthrax um, so t- that they don't have a vaccine for. So this is biological warfare. Exactly. And uh, the, same, uh, the same scenario in China, by the way. A few days ago, uh, the Pentagon chief announced uh, that uh, uh, its main uh, objective is uh, competition with Russia and with China. Uh, it may sound uh, like conspiracy theory, and it did sound like a conspiracy theory to me as well before, uh, but when I checked uh, the military documents, I found out that the U.S. Uh, has been secretly collecting biological material, especially by Russians and Chinese. I have no explanation as to why the Pentagon has been collecting uh, saliva from Chinese uh, people. Why are they collecting uh, cancer tissue from Chinese patients? Also blood samples. And uh, we're talking about not uh, just one, two or three projects. We're talking about tens of projects um, related to collection of uh, DNA uh, from uh, Chinese people, and the same with Russia as well. Uh, there was a project uh, carried out by uh, the U.S. Army, the, uh, the U.S. Uh, Air Force, on a collection of uh, Russian RNA and synovial tissue. And uh, in the documents, it was indicated that these samples uh, should be only Russians, uh, and the government would not uh, consider uh, taking uh, samples from Ukrainians. And you start to ask yourself, uh, is it possible and is it feasible the development of, um, this is uh, the so-called designer diseases. I found, and I also uh, featured in this article, a military document which uh, lists all possible biological weapons and among them are the so-called designer diseases. Among the designer diseases are the so-called uh, um, ethnic bioweapons, uh, bio which means that diseases can be designed and engineered uh, so that they can target a special genotypes and uh, special ethnic groups. Um, so far, nobody has ever confirmed uh, the possibility of developing uh, such ethnic bioweapons, but um, we have the facts, we have the documents, we have the military projects, and uh, they raise the question, is it possible that the Pentagon is collecting DNA from uh, its main rivals, Russia and China, in order to research 
possible ways of developing um, designer diseases for these two uh, ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bio specific, genetic specific uh, bio bio weapons. That's uh, something. Uh, the DARPA is featured heavily. Uh, the U.S. Defense Research um, Specialist. Uh, so they're they're featured heavily in a lot of these programs. So we're seeing DARPA everywhere. It's a very well-funded part of the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense, and uh, I they do a lot of exper- what they call experimental uh, uh, research and development as well. And so um, th- this is all paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. It's just, to me, amazing um, how much money goes into this. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, instead of uh, spending money on the American people to... To get uh, healthy, this money is spent to uh, producing diseases. It's it's ludicrous. I I just can't understand how is this possible. Uh, but it is possible. And uh, the sad thing is that uh, people don't know about that, and they don't know that um, their government funds projects on production of deadly viruses and also i was amazed to learn that um, enhanced uh, potential pan, uh, pandemic uh, pathogens experiments are legal in the united states this means that scientists can engineer can modify influenza also middle east respiratory syndrome and other deadly diseases in order to enhance and uh, in order to make them more deadly, what uh, is this experiment for? I, I have no answer. Why do you want to produce deadly viruses? Why do you want to produce deadly influenza or other diseases to research them? For what? Uh, the only possible answer is that uh, this uh, practice is uh, legal uh, so that um, uh, this due use. Um, uh, researches open the door to biological weapons research. The thing that concerns me, um, uh, Dillian, and also Mike, um, is is the the potential when you're talking about um, classified programs, but you're employing contractors, corporate contractors, so they're getting all the sort of classified diplomatic cover. They themselves are working for a private corporation. So the in terms of accountability. Um, I don't know if there's any real accountability there. And then the other risk is uh, you have a kind of privatized uh, chain of command uh, with with regards to the operation and protocol. So this isn't really under the jurisdiction or the sort of the, this. Uh, it's not in the accountability stream of the government. Um, so pu- publicly, it's a kind of a gray area, um, and you're handling this really sensitive, dangerous. Uh, Material that's not probably not fully legal in your own country, and they're they're offshoring it and privatizing it. I think it's very risky, actually. Well, potentially, what it does is is give them uh, some plausible, uh, some way to hide what they're doing because they will say that the particular piece of information is commercially sensitive and therefore can't be released to the public. And oh, and this yeah. is this is often used as a mechanism for avoiding freedom of information or other forms of of uh, of getting to the, getting some transparency in what's going on. 
That's right. So that's a, a, a nice, convenient uh, loophole area. So it, much less accountability in the corporate sphere, right? Then, because then you're then you're into the legal sphere. So in order to get uh, disclosure from a, in the corporate sphere, you have to go through a whole uh, a protracted legal proceedings. Um, so you can't just apply public pressure like you can if it's state or government run, where there's some accountability with the people that doesn't exist in this system. So I can see the advantages of. Of that, uh, if your if if your ends are nefarious ends, I can see a major advantage there. So, I mean, Tuliana, it, uh, it seems to me looking. I mean, this is this article has just been published on Twenty First Century Wire. It's a huge article. There's lots to digest and lots to read here. But looking through some of the documentation that's on here, um, the the donor uh, is the Department of Defense, so they're providing the money. And for example, if we look at Ukraine, uh, they're giving that money to the uh, uh, the Ministry of Health in uh, in the Ukraine and whatever to whatever laboratory that is. Then, um, this is really for both of you. I mean, I haven't been aware of the British government, for example, using defence money to pay for uh, for health research. So, this isn't you would expect that to come out of an aid budget or something like that. If it was for health. Research. So, so there's clearly some defence element to this, but that it's 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 uh, um, it's it is staggering to me that the the, the defence department is funding uh, anything that would be other than for uh, military purposes. The fact that you have uh, military research on diseases and you have military research on uh, bioagents. I mean. Um, agents, biotourism agents, which can be easily weaponized. And the fact that all these projects are outsourced to private companies, which are given diplomatic status and diplomatic immunity, it speaks a lot. And um, uh, sadly, uh, people uh, think that this is uh, science fiction. Or um, I talk to my friends, and they just didn't believe this could be possible. And actually, uh, what matters is that uh, you can't justify such a dangerous program uh, by uh, the means of self-defense. Because here we're talking about um, dissemination of viruses by explosives. This means that the U.S. is developing a network of uh, biolaboratories which can be easily equipped with uh, different means to spread viruses uh, in the host countries uh, and uh, to use them as bioweapons. And this is very scary. This is uh, a lot of money spent on biological research. Uh, what for? Uh, the U.S. Uh, can't justify this um, uh, money by, uh, for example, let's say self-defense, because here we are talking about military biolaboratories abroad, which have nothing to do with the U.S. Um, personnel in these countries. I saw the projects, I um, checked all the projects available, and uh, I couldn't find a single 
project related to the health of the U.S. military personnel abroad. All the projects were related to uh, the citizens of the host country. All of the projects were related to the Georgian people or the Ukrainian people. I never found a single word about the U.S. military personnel abroad. Because if this program was to assist the health of the U.S. soldiers, then there would be a research on the U.S. soldiers. Nothing like this. All the projects were related to the local population in the countries where the U.S. biolabs um, allocated. Yeah, and, and let me just uh, underline as well, historically, um, the, the whole concept of biological warfare is not a new concept. I mean, this goes back thousands of years. Uh, so, you know, everything from uh, uh, tuberculosis to uh, bubonic plague uh, to, uh, to, to, to um, rabbit fever uh, and botulism toxins and so forth has been used by, by militaries in different ways, uh, smallpox and things like that throughout history. But in terms of two high-profile deaths, the anthrax, uh, um, high-profile anthrax attacks in 2001 in the United States, uh, the, the, the award-winning Army biologist Bruce Evans, who was meant to be testifying in that case, was uh, uh, magically suicided in 2008 before, no, before being charged, actually, with the alleged uh, anthrax mailing. So his death was, to me, Mike, eerily uh, similar to that of David Kelly. Dr. David Kelly, who also worked uh, in high-security bioweapons labs like Porton Down uh, in the UK. So this, th- th- there's a lot of secrecy surrounding this side of the, uh, the, the, the U.S. Uh, military and, uh, and probably Britain as well. Uh, so I, there's a lack of transparency uh, in this sector, and it's so often, uh, it seems to me, justified with uh, their researching how to basically protect us from a bioterrorist threat and so forth. I just don't see any other states developing this stuff other than the U.S. So the U.S. is the producer of the threat. Uh, as far as I can see, there's not, I mean, aside from Hollywood films, they say, oh, you know, Goldfinger or, you know, Dr. Knows working on something in their underground lab uh, or whatever in, in some island. Uh, and so that's meant to, in, in the American public's mind, that's meant to be the main threat or some Al-Qaeda um, rogue cell that might get a hold of an ex, uh, ex-Soviet ex-Soviet uh, bioweapons culture and so forth. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. I, I, I see the U.S. as really being the real progenitor of the threat here. Um, so um, this is very worrying. But um, uh, Diliana, just before we finish, and thank you for your work uh, on this. It's a, it's a tremendous subject. I know that there's a lot more to dig and to explore here. Um, but um, just before you go, um, just tell us, um, I, I, I'm, I'm just uh, interested in this diplomatic immunity thing. And you, this is exactly what you, we saw with the Silk uh, Airlines uh, flights trafficking the weapons into terrorist hands in Syria. We see, again, this theme of diplomatic immunity given to uh, contractors uh, working in this field. Um, so, you know, is this something to be concerned about in terms of uh, – is is this how is this how the U.S. is operating in a private fashion under uh, under mm-hmm. the black community in general? Is this 
Is this this seems to be common now? It seems like uh, this is uh, the normal practice um, used by the CIA uh, to cover up uh, and to provide cover to its agents. I have no other explanation as to why you give diplomatic immunity to biologists. They they're supposed to work for the benefits and for the health of the people and uh, so on. Why are they in need of diplomatic immunity? Why do they need uh, diplomatic vehicles? Why do they uh, need to have security clearance? Because according to uh, the requirements posted um, uh, in the documents uh, which are obtained uh, by the Federal Contracts Registry, according to these requirements, the staff working and performing work at the Luga Center or uh, Kazakhstan laboratory or the Ukrainian laboratories must be uh, U.S. citizens with um, security clearance, meaning that here we are talking about um, not only sensitive information, we are talking about uh, uh, security clearance, which is uh, in some of the cases and according to some of the documents, uh, top secret, meaning that we have very serious and very dangerous military program, which is kept in secret by the public. And um, it's very, very worrying and very scary. And I hope that more people will come forward. And I urge uh, the people in Ukraine, in Georgia, in uh, all these countries affected just to come forward, uh, not to be afraid and to speak up, because otherwise we we have no chance to stop this offensive military program. It is against all of us. While uh, the weapons shipments to Syria, they uh, they were really very serious, but they were uh, in just one area and one part of the world. Here we have bioweapons, which can be potentially used in every part of the world. And we can't. Uh, we cannot uh, defend ourselves. You can. You cannot defend yourselves uh, by an aerosol of anthrax. And if you look at the documents which uh, we posted uh, today on 21st Century Wire, you can find uh, a special technology for aerosol sprayers, which have been developed by the U.S. Army. This is very worrying. This means that they can spread uh, a lot of uh, dangerous pathogens and uh, toxins uh, via aerosol sprayers. And you cannot do anything to defend yourself. Yeah, all all sorts of delivery systems, uh, uh, air, spray, smoke. Uh, it's all detailed in uh, Diliana Kitsinera's report up on 21stCenturyWire.com, and it's titled WMD America uh, Inside the Pentagon's uh, Global uh, Biological Weapons Industry. And uh, fantastic report, Diliana, and thank you, thank you very much for uh, sharing that with us. It's a very important subject, uh, and I think the more people know about it, probably the better. Uh, in terms of public safety. So we really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. And yet again, um, my appreciation for your great job and uh, giving me the opportunity to be part of your team today. Thank you.
Thank you very much, uh, Diliana Getinata. And, and there's a link to her Twitter account as well, so you can follow her on Twitter. Uh, that's up on the show page right now, as well as a link to the article. Uh, so please go check that out. Please share that with your friends as well. Uh, have some, get some feedback on this amongst your circle of, uh, friends on social media, see what people think about this. I think this is quite uh, an amazing story and something that uh, most people uh, aren't going to generally see every day. Uh, So she's really put together a good comprehensive report here. It's pretty shocking, actually. But uh, we'll be seeing more of that in the near future, I think, I predict. But uh, we're going to take a short break, uh, and we're going to connect the final segment of Overdrive. Uh, We're going to hopefully connect with our friend uh, and culture and sport correspondent for the Sunday Wire, Basil Valentine. Uh, after this break, I'm your host, Patrick Kenningson. I'm here with Mike Robinson. This is the Sunday Wire. We'll be right back. <laughs> 